Right, let's turn our Bibles to the book of James. We're going, to, we're going over our campaign we're doing in, in October, and I'm trying to get you ready for it, in James chapter 4. And it says in the first verse, it says, and we're going to read um, down to just verse number 2. It says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Well, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank, it, thank you that it doesn't return void to us. And Lord, I'm thankful for the things that you've given us. And I thank you for all the things that have went our way this week. And some of the problems and struggles you give us make us what we need to be. And Lord, I'm just so thankful for the people in here. Let them have a good night tonight. Let us learn something that we need to be involved. And as, I, as I, we look at James chapter 4 and we look at the whole chapter tonight, that we can, there's some things we need to do. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we get started, I want to talk to you real quick. Um, had a conversation with a very godly lady today and, and talked with her. And um, when I talked with her, I, I said, I heard you're offended about, about something, and she kind of told me what it was. So I want to make it right, all right? I have done, and, and, and it, what it is, it's the Hatfields and McCoys. And let me tell you why I did the Hatfields and McCoys. I have done the Hatfields and McCoys for 10 years. 10 years we've done it. I've never had anybody upset about it. Um, it's just a, a group, and so I, I, told, I told this person, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this. I don't want you to be offended by doing that, so we're going to change the names. And then it was brought up to do uh, baseball teams. And I'll be honest with you, when I do sports events and I do sporting teams, you get more people mad at you over sporting events than anything. Because if I put you on the Dodgers and you like the Mets, they're going to be really upset. Well, I don't like that color blue. All right, so we're kind of changing it, and we've got a different theme going on, and our theme is a, is a farm theme. We're going to change that. We're going to keep it that way. It's going to be red and blue, but Daniel and I were talking about it, and we're going to do the sowers and the reapers, okay? And we're not talking about the grim reapers. We're just talking about the reapers in the Bible, okay? No one dress up in a, as a grim, Russ, I'm talking to you. I don't want you to come as a grim reaper, okay? Um, we're going to do sowers and reapers, and you'll see that. You know, you've got, you got to go with what you've got. And, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, and you know, I hear um, that I just want to have fun sometimes. And I do want to have fun. Life, you need fun in, in your life. But in this, you know, I'm not going to do anything to offend somebody. I didn't do it to offend anybody. And um, I can honestly tell you that in the years I've done it, I've actually had Hatfields and McCoys come to it and say, okay, I want to do this. So I was just looking at, it, at names. That's why I was doing it. We're still going to have a red and blue team, and you're going to be the reapers and the sowers, and it'll be put, you'll be put on there. But you still have to sit on the right side, okay? So some of you will have to move, all right? So some of you have never seen this side of the auditorium, and some of you have never seen this side of the auditorium, other than handshaking, so you'll be in there. So you make sure you come to that. You'll enjoy that. So talking about that today, I just want to go over some things in James chapter 4. When you look at James chapter 4, verse, when it starts out, um, you've got to understand what they're trying to say, what they're trying to do. And it's very interesting. The Jews, if you look at your handout, and don't doodle on your handout, just fill in the spots. Um, the Jews were known for their fightings. They were known for it. And um, they would try to justify it. In fact, they were always fighting amongst themselves sometimes, and then they were always fighting against different groups. Now, we could say biblical times, who were the Jews in, in the biblical times, who'd they fight against, the Philistines? I mean, you've got all these people they used to fight against, every one of them. And so here, they're talking about this fighting and wars with them, 
they would try to justify it by saying that they were fighting for their country and they would justify it by that or their God. And sometimes the Jew, Jewish people in biblical times got in fights that they shouldn't have been in because they just thought that's what it needs to be. Now, they had to fight for everything they have, and till, still to this day, Israel has to fight for everything they have. If you've ever seen, the, some of you, how many of you have been to Israel? Raise your hand. If, you, if you've ever been to Israel, it is a very small country, especially if you think of all the enemies that they have around them. There's no way they outnumber them, but God's always protected them. And so here, they're talking about, they're just by saying they were, they were defending their country or their God. Now, this, this chapter starts with talking about prayer, and it ends with doing good. You know, we're all supposed to do good. Look at the verse 17, and this is one I always knew. My mom always made me quote, Therefore, to him to know to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So when you're told to do something and it's good, you need to follow it. So we're going to look at all these verses. I want you to see this. And we're going to go through one through seven real quick. And these are talking, I've went, went over this and we've, I've preached on this before here. But I want you to see a few things in one through seven. It says, from whence come wars and fightings among ye, come, that, come they not hence, even of, your, even of your lust that war in your members. It's talking about you fight against each other. Ye lust and have not. You, you want something and you can't have it because you ask amiss. You're asking the wrong way. That you may consume it upon your lust. I jumped, didn't I? All right. You, you lust and have not and, and kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. I've, I'm a very firm believer that God wants you to talk to him and ask him for things. It's called communication. Does he communicate with us? Absolutely. He communicates through this. He communicates with the way that the Holy Spirit indwells you and tells you what to do. He communicates through other people to show you who he is. And so he's always constantly communicating. And so here you have this, and, and we've got to get back to this. We've got to ask God what we want. But you've got to ask the right way. And this is what James is telling you about. If you ask to um, win the lottery, well, I would tithe if, if I won the lottery. I, I hear people say that all the time. And if you're not tithing before you win the lottery, you're not going to tithe after you win the lottery because it's a lot more money, amen? And so you sit there and you go, well, if I only did this, if I came into a windfall or I did this, I would do that. And that's not how God works. He's not going to let you win that. He's looking at that good steward. He's looking at that who is good and faithful. He wants to honor you, but you've got to communicate with him. So here, in the first two verses, it's talking about that. In verse number three, it says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. You ask the wrong way. You know, if I went, when I was growing up, if I went to my mom and dad and said, hey, I want to get some tennis shoes because everybody else is having, everybody has these, I can tell you right now, I wasn't getting those tennis shoes because I'm asking the wrong way. Now, if I had all my tennis shoes worn out and I said, I need some new tennis shoes, mom and dad, if they could afford it, they would get me some, but they would get me the, the, the type that they would choose, not the type I would choose. And so that's what God's saying in this, when, when he's talking about this, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. We want these things, we want these things, and we ask for them, and they're not the best interest. You've got to either go back and understand that God knows what's best for you, or you think you know what's best for you. Now, which one's the case? We might not want to admit it, but God knows what's best for us. How many times have you prayed for something and you didn't get it and you think, oh my word, I, I wish I would have got that. And then you find out later you're thankful that you didn't get it. 
So we've got to get back to understanding. We've got to ask the right way. Keep reading down, and it says, I'm trying to get to verse number 8. It says in verse number um, 4, it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God? More so ever, therefore, therefore will be a fr- whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We can't line up with, with the world and say we want, we want what they have. Man, things change quickly. In our world right now, it changes quickly. About the time you buy a cell phone, what is it? It's already out of date. And I think these cell phone companies make their phones where they only last two years and then they fall apart. It's almost like they've got a self-destruct button inside of them. When you get that two-year contract, you have to buy another phone. How many of you have a flip phone in here? Anybody have a flip phone? All right. Few people have flip phones in here. They, they've lasted longer than the other phones. And so we, we look at these things, we say, man, things are going so fast. We've always got to go back to see what God wants us to do. Keep reading. It says, it says, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy with God. See, the world is not, uh, is not the, the friend of, uh, of us. Our friend should be God and those around God. Um, how many of you ever had to deal with the IRS? Anybody ever had to deal with the IRS? I have. I'm waiting right now to talk to an IRS agent. And when I get on the phone with the IRS agent, I put a piece of paper in front of me and say, they are not your friend. Because they act like you're, you're your friend when you talk to them. Well, I can do this for you, and I can do this for you. And I'm thinking, uh-uh, I'm not going to trust what you say. Because they're not my friend when it comes to it. They want all my money, amen? They want all your money. And I am for paying taxes, but I'm not, paying, I'm not for paying overpaying taxes. We've got to make sure we understand who our enemy and who's our friend. We sometimes pair up with people and they should be our enemy and they end up being our enemy at the very end. Isn't that what happened, Samson? See, he should have never been with Delilah. And he paired up with her and it, and it, it cost him his life in an, in an about situation. It cost him his eyesight. It cost him everything, his strength. Because he was not supposed to be their friend. It says in verse number um, five, it says, Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Now you're going to see that word humble in just a second in this chapter again. But we're supposed to be there. And then it says, verse number seven, Submit yourselves therefore to God. And what's the next three words? Resist the devil. Now do you think the devil's doing everything he can to destroy you? How many of you ever had a good day and something happens and makes it a bad day? I was listening to Priscilla talk, telling her story. Her car was uh, of the same type of car that was in a bank robbery. And she got pulled over this week. And Brandon had her in cuffs and Peter was there and he was throwing her on the ground and saying, we know you did this. And, and um, can you, a, a, a mistaken identity. Resist the devil. When things happen in your life to destroy you, discourage you, give it over to the Lord. There's times when, I, when, I, when things have happened in ministry and you go, what else could happen? And you just have to give it over to him and say, okay, this is not, this is not my ministry, this is yours, and you've got to figure out what you're going to do with it. We had something, when we had that Christian school, we had something that was called, it was, we would always call it the August Surprise. Had no idea what it was, but there was going to be something that happened in August. And so you just dealt with it and you move forward. Because the devil's doing everything he can to discourage you. 
How many of you have been in a situation where you felt like everything was going okay? And then the devil does something, sends something your way. Maybe a note, maybe a letter, maybe a call, maybe a situation, maybe a, maybe a, a financial obligation. You know, I, I just got a, a bill in the, on an email today for something that was not my fault, and it's $67. It was $66. I remember that. 66. That's a man's number. Amen. And I wanted to write him back and say, why are you charging me this? This was, this was five months ago. We're always going to have things that might discourage us. So resist the devil. Understand this. When you go through things and you're on, on this cloud and all of a sudden something happens and you feel like you're being destroyed, remember this. Sometimes the devil doesn't want you to be happy. Does he not? What's one of the fruit, fruits of the Spirit? Not happiness, but what's one that we always equate with it? It's the word joy. And all Satan's trying to do is to, is to run your joy out. But you've got to resist it. Sometimes there's been times when I've went through something and I just start laughing and go, okay, God, you're in charge of this. You're, go for it. This is, you've got to take your hands off and say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but you do. And I think of some of, the, some of the things that some of you are going through right now. I know of two or three people in this room that are going through things that are rough things. And the devil's going to do everything he can to discourage. Well, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do this. And, and the whole time the devil's trying to discourage you to make you where you won't do what's right. But he wants you to just hold your ground. What was the word we used on Sunday? Be steadfast. Be steadfast with compassion. And have a little sense of humor with some things because sometimes you're just going to go, okay. I was just talking, I don't know if you heard about Braden. Braden had to go to the hospital, the doctors today, and he has a partial cast on his arm. And he's fallen on it two or three times, got hurt with it. And, 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 and you know, you're, you go and you look and sometimes my kids would act like they're hurt. And I'm like, are you really hurt? Have you ever faked an injury? I have. All right. Especially when you're playing sports, you act like you're hurt and then they won't guard you so much. And then you get a shoot. And Bernard was doing that last night in our game. I mean, he was on fire, Bernard was, in basketball yesterday. In fact, your, your son looked at him and said, if you shoot one more like that, I'm going to block you out of this gym. And then Ber I've never seen Bernard get cocky, but he was getting cocky out there on the basketball court. <laughs> Amen. Weren't you, Bernard, for a little bit? Just a little bit. All right. Yes, you were. I, I'll bring it, witnesses in here, okay? But, um, but we had, I've got a witness in here. Was he not doing that, Brandon? Amen. Brandon's agreeing with me, Bernard. Okay, so you've got to resist the devil. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Ask God to show you what you need to do. Submitting what? Sometimes we look at submitting and say, it's not what I want to do. Especially when it says, wives, submit yourselves to your, own, to your husbands. Well, that's not, that's, not, that's not pertinent to today. Yes, it is. And this is pertinent also. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. And it says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you submit yourself to God, the devil will try to do everything he can to discourage you. And if you resist him, he'll flee from you. God is bigger than any, any problem that you have. Any problem that Satan will bring your way. Now let's look at verse number 8 through 10. It says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Look at your first blank. It says, draw to God and he will draw to you. But you've got to want that. You've got to want God to be close to you for him to get close to you. You know, a lot of times we have sin in our life and we disobedience in our life and we don't want God to get close to us. But can I tell you, when you're at that point where you want God to be away from you, he still sees who you are, right? You cannot pull the wool over his eyes. He sees you for what you are. So at the mo moment you're trying to push him away, he already knows what you're trying to push him away from. 
But the Bible says in this, James writes, it says in verse number, verse number 8, it says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Hmm. You know, I, I don't know if you ever had the privilege of, of taking your dog to a vet. I've had a privilege of taking my dog to a vet. My dog's in a vet right now, going to have surgery tomorrow. And I remember taking her to the vet, and they were looking at her, and there's this little beagle walks in. Little harmless little dog. And my dog's like four times the weight of that. And my dog walked up to her and started to start smelling, and they smell each other. And, and I said, she won't bite. And I'll never forget what the other guy said. I can't guarantee you that with my dog. And so I just kind of pulled my dog back. <laughs> I thought, if she got bit, we're right in the vet, they can fix it. But you know what? It, it, they like to be, they like, they're drawn together. Now, God wants us to draw to him. What is trying to stop you from drawing, from him, drawing to him? Maybe it's an attitude. Well, I'm not going to do this if God doesn't do that. You know what? We're not promised any guarantees. But in this one, there is a guarantee this. If I draw to him, he will draw to me. And so I've got to want that, that desire to have him. I always, when I think of this verse, I always think of David. When he says, search me, O God, know my heart. If there's any wicked way in me, he said, just show me what, they, what it is and I'll, I'll make it. He always wanted that restoration from the sin that he had. And here, James writes this. He says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. That says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Look at your James chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. The first one is, draw to God and he will draw to you. But look at, the, look at the next part, and this is in the same verse. Did you notice the three things that he tells you that he wants? He says that you need to draw to him and he'll draw to you. Now watch, go to verse number 8. He wants your hands, he wants your heart, and he wants your mind. He gives you a warning with your mind. But in verse number 8, he says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And, and basically what he's saying is some of us have, are, are people at this time were, were doing things wrong with their hands. He says, go wash your hands, cleanse your hands. And they knew exactly what they meant from the sin that you're doing. He wants these. He wants these to be his. Then he says this. He says, cleanse your hands. And then it says, ye sinners and i got to put my glasses on. And purify your hearts. But you've got to do this in the right order. You've got, to, you've got to make sure you're doing what's right and then purify your heart. He wants your heart to be pure. What does that mean? There's, there's, there's things that we do and we try to cover it up, but God still sees through it. You know, I, I could be a friend of somebody that had money. Everybody's been there. You've met somebody that has a lot of money, and am I going to be their friend? And, and am I going to be their friend because they have the money? Or am I going to be their friend because it's just because God, God, I want to be their friend? And we, we, don't, we don't show our motives all the time, but here he's saying, listen, you've got to purify your hearts. Do things for the right reason. God sees right through it. So he wants your hands. He wants your hearts and look at this. He's giving him a warning and he says what? Ye double-minded. What does that mean? Your, 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 your brain is thinking two different directions. You're, 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 you're like a double agent. You want to do something for God, but you also want to do something for you. And it goes back to that submitting to God. 
and resisting the devil. Because if you submit to God and resist the devil, he'll flee from you, but the devil knows what you are too. His demons know what you are. His demons know what I am. He, they know my weaknesses. He doesn't want us to be double-minded. And it goes back to even the verse about the world. We can't go to the world and get what we need. We've got to go to God and get what we need. But if we go this double-minded and we try to get some here and get some here, it's never going to work. God doesn't, God doesn't like a double-minded person. He says that many, they're unstable in what? What does it say? In all their ways. Have you ever had a problem with your balance? You ever had an ear infection, got, had problems with your balance? Isn't it wonderful to walk? When I was in BLET, they gave us those glasses that you wear that shows what it looks like when you're drunk. And I don't know if you've ever seen them. You put them on and it makes everything distorted. And I thought to myself, I can do this until I put them on. You lose all sense. I mean, I couldn't walk three steps. You lose all sense. Have you ever tried those? You guys ever tried those? Put them on? And I mean, you, th you think, oh, I can do this. My brain can do this. And you can't. The people that thought they could do it the best were the worst ones at it. Because they're, they're double-minded. They're, they're, they're unstable. And that's what we've got to get back to. God doesn't want an unstable person. He wants us to be solid in what we believe. Solid in what we do. He wants us to give us our, his, our hands. He wants us to give us our, our hearts to Him. And He also wants us to give us our minds to Him and do the right thing. And what happens when we don't? You know, you know it sums it all up. And don't you love how the Bible, you read the Bible and you see how it just step after step after step after step. Because if you go on the next verse, it says in verse number 9, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And what's the first word in verse number 10? Humble. You know what we need? Humility is what we all need to be lifted up. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. You're humble to be lifted up. Read what the verse says. It says in verse number 10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and, ye shall and he shall lift you up. That's a wonderful verse. Because most of the time when we think of humble, what do we think? Oh, no, I'm just nobody. Don't, don't do anything for me. And we, we, we misinterpret what humbleness is. He's saying, listen, in this verse, James writes in James chapter 4, verse 10, it says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. In other words, realize who God is and who we are. And if we can realize who God is and who we are, we realize we are nothing. We are minute. And we humble ourselves and say, okay, and how can you do that? Through all these verses. Look, go back to these verses we just read. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That's humility, saying, okay, you, you tell me what to do, and I'll, and I'll do it. Resist the devil. This is saying that you can't, he, you can't handle anything. God can handle the, the devil, and he'll flee from you. And then it says you draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. He wants your hands, he wants your heart, and he wants your mind. And in verse number 10, he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Now look in verse number 6, it says, But he giveth more grace, therefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So isn't it, isn't it amazing when you read the Bible and you see, let me give you an example, when, when it says the first shall be last, what does that mean? It says what? The, the greatest among you will be your, the servant. 
See, the world would say the greatest among you would be the what? Master, right? He would say, man, if you're the one in charge, you are the one that's it. Jesus was talking to his disciples and said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You got this all wrong. It's the one that's a servant is the one that's the greatest. And then you look at this one. It says, the one that humbleth himself will be lifted up because humility puts you down. But I know a lot of people that are humble or have humility, and it's all on them. You ever met somebody as woe as me? I'm a humble person. You ever met somebody like that? I'm telling you right now, I've met a lot of people like that. I'm just, I just don't have it. I'm just, I'm just so thankful for the little bit that God gave me. I'm just so humble. I'm so thankful I'm humble. I'm probably the most humble person. I don't know if you remember, but there was a song, Oh Lord, It's Hard to Be Humble. It was an old song that was sang back in the 70s. And it just talks about how humble this person was. I think Mac Davis, I think, wrote it a long time ago. And so, so often we get to the point where we think we're humble. But the humbleness is not to go, got, it's not got anything to do with you. It's your attitude towards God. Because it says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. What does that mean? It has nothing to do with me. I'm just a, a guy that grew up in Farmersburg, Indiana. On a little street called Heap Street. I, and, and I don't know why it is, but Heap Street in Farmersburg doesn't even have street, have, have address numbers on it. You just know where everybody lives. I was having a discussion with my sister and I said, oh yeah, it has house numbers on it. She goes, go by there and see it. I went by there and saw it. They don't have house numbers on it. Still don't have house numbers. Because everybody gets their, their mail through the what? Post office. So I just lived in a house that didn't have a number on it. Woe was me. And you know what? God has allowed me to, to, to go on mission fields. God has allowed me to preach in conferences. God has allowed me to work with people. God has allowed me to be a pastor. God has allowed me to have two great children. It's not anything that I've done. It's everything that God's done. And James says that. He says, listen, resist the proud. About the time you think, oh, wow, look, I'm somebody, God will show you you are not. You ever been there? I've been beat by that humble humbleness. I remember, and, and I, I've shared this with you before. One time I had practiced a song, and man, I was, I was good at it. I thought, man, I got this song down. And I came back and I told Ann, I said, wow, this is, I got it. I can sing this song. It was a high song, and, and I've, I've noticed it through my years. The older you get, the lower you can sing. You can't sing as high as you used to. And so I was hitting these high F's and G's. I thought, man, I can do this. I can do this. And I got up to sing. I got up that Sunday morning and all of a sudden, right when I was about to open my mouth, a, a, a little insect flew in my mouth and choked me. I could not even sing the song. And I said, I said to my wife, I said, I don't even know what kind of insect that was. And just, just like this, she said, I know what it was. I said, what was it? She said, it was a humble bee. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I'm amen and you or not, Ann. But I, all, all she could remember is me going back and going, I got this, I got this. And there's nothing wrong with having confidence, but you got to realize God will bring you down, amen? Just a little insect, and I never saw that insect again. So let's, 
Let's continue reading. It says, um, humility is what we all need to be lifted up. You want to be lifted up? Bring humility in the sight of God. That will, bring you, that will lift you up. And then James chapter 4, verses 11 through 17. I want, to, I want you to see this. It says in verse number 11, it says, Speak not evil of one another, brethren, that he that speaketh evil is brother, and judges his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judges another? I can, I, I can picture Christ as he's, as he's doodling in the, in the sand when the guy comes in and says, Hey, What's, what's going on with this? Who, who's gonna, who's gonna, what are we going to do with this young lady? And he says, listen, whoever's the perfect one casts the first stone. Look at this verse again. What is our job? Verse number 11, speak not evil one of another, brethren. We're not supposed to be speaking evil against each other. You know, um, here, here he's talking about that. He says, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law. Hey, the law will convict them. God will convict them. I don't have to speak evil of them. On a side note, I want to say this. If you have a problem with me, come see me. I can't read your mind. I can't. Jeff, if you have a problem with me, you know my door's open. Come see me. My office door is always open. And, and you know what? If you have a problem with somebody, go see them. Get it right. Move forward. This is our job. Because how in the world is, and I'm not just talking about this, I'm talking about every, all the churches in America, how in the world can they get anything done on the outside when the inside's eating them up? you got to get this settled. If you don't like the color of my tie, come tell me. Well, don't do that. But, you know, sometimes we just sit there and go, man, we, I just don't like anything. And that's just not the way God wants us to be. You know, I'd rather people come tell me. Hey, you've offended me. Can you help? I, I, I remember when I first got to, to ministry, you get so focused on certain things you have to get done. I remember I was in church one day, and, and um, Brother Tebow sat me down. He said, listen, he said, you need to pay attention to people. I was like, what? He said, you had two people that were offended by you in church service. And I said, well, what happened? He said, you looked right through them and didn't even say anything to them. What, I was, what they didn't know is I was in there and I was looking for a teenager and I was trying to find that teenager. And there was four or 500 people in that auditorium. I was looking through everybody to scan this teenager to tell her that her mother had called. So I just bypassed everybody to try to find this thing. And I said, I tried to explain it to him. And even when I tried to explain it to him, he still looked at me and says, you need to work on that. Well, bless God, don't tell me what to do. That was my first knee-jerk reaction. I never said it to him, but then I started thinking. I said, you know what? Ministry is all about ministering to other people. We've got to get back to understanding that. We, if you have a problem, come see me. My door's open. If, you, if I have a problem with you, I'll come see you. But, you know, as we look at this, we, we've got to understand that God has a job for us. Our job is to get together and love each other. Get together and love each other. That's what it's about. We might not all be going the same direction. We might not all have the same opinion, but you know what? God can still use us. And so we've got to get back to understanding that. So in verse number 11, 12, what is your job? The next one is, what is your life? I, I think this is very interesting because he talks about in verse number 11 and 12 that you're not the law. You might think you are. I might think I am, but I am not the law. 
But then he goes into verse number 13, he says, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get a gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For they ought, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we, will, we shall live, and do this or that. But rejoice, but now ye rejoice in your boasting, all such rejoicing is evil. You know, I've met some people before that they'll always, and I love when they say this, I'll see you, when you say, I'll see you later. And what, what do some people say? Lord willing. That's a biblical context is what they're saying. And then I had a guy that worked for me and he's an older gentleman. And, and anytime somebody would say, hey, could you pray for me? You know what he did? He'd pray instantly right there. And I need to do that. Because sometimes I forget about prayers. Because you know why he did that? He told me, he said, one day a lady walked up to me and said, hey, um, I, I, want, I want to thank you for your prayers that, that, that you prayed about everything answered. And he had to stop and say, listen. And he was a very honest person. He said, let me tell you something. He said, I, I, I need to be, be honest with you. He said, I forgot about this. I did not pray about it. And then at that point, God spoke to him and said, listen, whenever somebody tells you to pray about something, you pray about it right there. We've got to get back to understanding that, that God intends us for us to do this. See, the first one is, what is your job? And the second one is, what is your life? Look at verse number 14. And if you, don't, if, if you are over 30 years old, you'll understand verse number 14. Amen? It says, Wherefore, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? And then it says this, it is even a vapor. Wow. Is it not? I mean, just in a flash, a decade's gone. And then another flash, another one. I, was, I, I graduated in high school in 1984. I was talking to a young man in Terre Haute today, and he, or, or two days ago, he called me about something. And I, and I looked at his email, and I knew what his email meant. In his email, he had the, the numbers 83, which meant that's when he was born. And so I was thinking, oh, my word, I graduated a year after you were born. Because time goes just like this. I, I remember growing up, my mom had a tea kettle. And I, I love tea kettles. But if you've never been around a tea kettle, you don't understand what they do. Everybody, how many's been around a tea kettle? You know what I'm talking about. You sit there and all of a sudden you might be in another room and all of a sudden there's a big whistle in the other room. It's telling you the water is done. It doesn't need to get any hotter. It's done. But then when you look at the tea kettle... As a child, I would look at the tea kettle. I remember my mom letting me do this, and I couldn't believe she let me do this. I saw the vapors coming up. I saw the steam coming up. I didn't know they were hot. And it took about three seconds for my little brain to say, hey, get your finger out of that vapor. Because it made my finger red. But your life is just like that vapor. It's there, and it's gone. I, I relate that because I just think of some of the guys that I went to college that are no longer even on this earth. There was a man out in Pensacola, I think your daughters know him, Greg Bryant. And he was the go-to guy at Pensacola. You'd call him at Pensacola Christian, he would tell you what to do. And he was my age and he was a good friend. He went to school with me when I was there. Well, lo and behold, I was, I was in my office one day and someone said, you need to look at this and found out that Greg Bryant had a brain aneurysm. And he lived through it. And he lived through it for probably about one and a half, two years. And he passed away. He was my age. Man, your life is a vapor. Your life is a vapor. I remember when 40 was old. Now it's young. I remember when 50 was ancient. 
Now it's great. I remember when 70 was like, oh, my word, I don't think I'll ever get there. Russ, how does that feel? All right, so, um, you know, as we look at this, I mean, man, things go fast, don't they? You blink and it's over. You, you just think about your children. You bl- they were there and they were toddler, then all of a sudden, they're what? They're getting married? They have a child? Isn't this verse pertinent to us? Because we've got to figure out what our job is. We've got to figure out what our life is. And look at the last one. The last one always hits home. There were, there were, and I've said this before. The two verses my mom made me repeat to her, this was one of them. And the other one was this. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. I can't tell you how many times I had to <laughs> say that back to her. And I, I, she, would, she wouldn't even have to tell me to say it. She'd just look at me like, do all things without murmuring and disputings. But mom... And then she'd say, say it again. And one time I probably said it 10 or 12, 12 times in a row before I finally got what she was trying to say. But this is one of the verses that she tried to tell me too. Because not only is what our job is, what is our life, but let me ask you something. What is good? Look at verse number 14 and 17. It says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him in his sin. See, this verse is summing all these other verses up. It's summing all the verses to resisting the devil, it's, it's, it's a summarization of your heart, your hands, and your brain. It's, it's talking about humbling yourself and doing what you need to do. And it's summarizing everything else. Now, let's just ask a simple question. Do you know what good is? We do. But you know what sometimes we do? We don't choose good. Because it doesn't fit us. And I'll use the example of baptism before. I could have sat there and said, listen, I've done this many years, and I told you I have. No one's ever been offended. But you know what? The good thing is, just to understand, sometimes you might make a mistake. I was in McDonald's one day, and I was talking to the lady at the cash register. It was all of our basketball team. And, and you know how everything in McDonald's has the word muck in front of it? McDonald's, uh, Big Mac. Big Mac, it has that, that thing in there. And I remember one time I took Russ, slow down, all right? And, and so I went to the lady, and I, and I was just joking with her, and I said, do you make um, steaks here? And she goes, no, I don't make steaks here. And actually, we did have one more uh, McDonald's that did. I said, so you, ne- you don't ever make steaks here? And she goes, no, we don't make steaks here. And I said, I thought everybody made steaks. <laughs> because we all make mistakes, right? <laughs> don't we? You know what's good and you know what's what you need to do. For instance, how many of you think you need to exercise? How many of you think you need to eat what's right? But do we do that? We have this thing at our house on Sunday night. You know what we do? We just on Sunday all the diets are thrown off at our house. On Sunday night we all go. We always get a pals, a big pals thing, and we eat it at home. Amen. That's good stuff. Is it good for me? Probably not. But does it taste good? Absolutely. <laughs> so in our life, it says, therefore, to him that knoweth, remember talking about your brain, your heart, and your hands, you know what you're supposed to do. You know it. And it says, if you know it, therefore, to him that knoweth, to do good, and doeth it not, what? 
with us when you don't do what's good. And sometimes we laugh and we joke about it. But God wants us to humble ourselves in the sight of him. He'll lift us up and he'll show us the truth. He will give us opportunities. Have you given the opportunity to be good to somebody? There was a guy out in, out in Hawaii. His name is Tutu. He's <laughs> a big Hawaiian Samoan guy. And he's a deacon out in their church. And, and he's, I mean, when you see him, he just looks like a mountain of a man. And so he told us, he said, hey, I'm going to hook you up and get you some tickets to the Polynesian Cultural Center. And I knew how much the tickets cost. I said, okay, so can you get a discount on it? And he said, yeah, I'll get you a discount. I said, okay, well, we're going to go on, on that Monday and we'll go there. So we walked through there. If you've ever been there, how many of you have ever been there? Okay. Well, we walked through that Polynesian thing and we walked and we were trying to figure out where it was. And I looked and there was a gigantic man at the desk. And I was like, that looks like Tutu. Couldn't see him from the back. But there's a lot of big Samoans out in Hawaii. So I was like, that looks like Tutu. And I, and I didn't want to pat him on the back and it'd be the wrong guy. So I kind of walked to the side and I looked at him and I was like, Tupu, what are you doing here? He said, I didn't think you were going to be here this early. <laughs> I said, what, what's going on? And he goes, I wanted to take care of your tickets for this. It broke my heart. I didn't know him. And he said, here's your tickets. You're going to everything here, and it's on me. I went and told the pastor. I said, Pastor Service, I said, he did this, and I, and, I, and I didn't want him to do it. I wanted to pay for it. He said, that is his ministry, and that's what he does. Therefore, him to doeth it good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. When God tells you to do something, you better do it. 